Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Crowcast, uh, Spotify's number one dark horror gothic fantasy podcast. Uh, this one is so good, we're going to do it twice. Um, as you know, uh, there's many reasons why I am a writer by trade and not a podcaster. I do this to satisfy the people who won't stop asking me to do the podcast. And yesterday we had a technical snafu for which this podcast is pretty much known besides the dark horror and uh, gothic fantasy aspect i guess um anyway we're gonna get right into it for the second time today um we've got emily cole here with the ohio families unite for political action and change um emily all things considered how are you doing today um living the dream six days until election day um so i guess uh we could start off by you can tell people uh what you're about and how you came into this line of work and what you guys have been up to yeah, yeah. So my name's Emily Cole. I use she, her pronouns, based here in Hilliard. Um, and I'm the executive director of OFU PAC, which stands for Ohio Families Unite for Political Action and Change. Um, we just go by OFU PAC because it's a little more manageable to say. Um, and so we actually, we were co-founded by myself and Sabrina Jordan, who is the founder and CEO of Ohio Families Unite Against Police Brutality, based in Dayton um, and operating statewide. And so we are kind of the action arm of Ohio Families. Uh, we do a lot of policy work and election work. Um, and so Sabrina and I work with families who are directly impacted by gun violence, uh, police brutality, and or incarceration, many families, all three in different ways. Um, and we try to push for policy change that will create a better Ohio for all of our families. So what has your um, election cycle looked like? Like, what are you what are you guys targeting with, uh, you know, just a few days remaining before our next cursed election in this state? So Sabrina and I are actually the co-chairs of the statewide committee coalition that is opposing issue one. Uh, issue one is going to be on everyone's ballot. It's a statewide on the general election ballot, and it's a proposed constitutional amendment. Um, and so we are leading the charge against issue one. And we are working with a lot of really great coalition partners like the ACLU of Ohio um, and just trying to get the word out as much as we can. And I have such a love-hate relationship with the ballot initiative because on one hand, it's like the only way we can, it's the only leverage like actual people have against the mm -hmm. Republican cartel. But then you also, <laughs> they're, but then they're like good at juicing it. And this issue, it's basically to enshrine cash bail into our constitution and mm -hmm. to restore, reverse uh, Ohio Supreme Court decision, a 5-4 bipartisan decision um, that was actually a rare instance of a good decision to come out of the Supreme Court. Um, can you explain to people like what the diff, like what the difference is? Yeah. So the Supreme Court decision was back in January and just to boil it like way, way, way down. Uh, basically it said that judges can't set insane cash bail amounts, um, which is a good thing for everyone. And so, after that, there were a group of Republicans in the state house who decided this made the perfect issue that they could campaign on for the reelection. Looking at you, Attorney General Dave Yost, um, as well as some of the Supreme Court justice candidates, and so 
they came up with state issue one, which is a proposed constitutional amendment. And it will do two things, like what you said, it'll enshrine cash bail in our constitution. And it removes the requirement that the procedures for establishing the amount and conditions of bail be determined by the Supreme Court of Ohio. And it puts it in the hands of the legislature. Like they literally include language that says public safety, blah, blah. We all know that's a dog whistle, as well as the um, any other factor the Ohio General Assembly may prescribe. Can you imagine the audacity of thinking that the General Assembly should be in charge of our courts in that way? It's, I mean, only if you haven't done literally 30 seconds of research into these guys. <laughs> so because i I was i went i attended a tim ryan that tim ryan jd vance um town hall cursed town hall at fox news last night and i was standing in line and the guy behind me had a republican label on and he was Mm some kind of operative and he said um he said he was in town he he had just shot he's like we came in to shoot a pro issue one ad with judge uh daniel r hawkins was judge hawkins yeah. You know him? Yes. He wrote yeah. this disgusting op-ed last week, I think it was, in the dispatch. Yeah, has he got described to me as a nice uh, uh, Republican, but a nice guy. And I was like, I, I, I'm not really sure how you could be a Republican judge and a nice guy at the same time, <laughs> but I, I would love to see it. Uh, I'm not familiar with the op-ed. Was he just going in on it? Well, it was just, ugh. It was really frustrating because basically in the op-ed, he says like, hey, I've been acting this way and I know that the Supreme Court of Ohio says that it's unconstitutional. So I really need you to amend the Constitution rather than holding me accountable to fix my fucking behavior. I just I can't with people who are so entitled that they want things like our Constitution change rather than just fixing themselves. Yeah, the the operative went on and he was talking to the guy and he was like, yeah, Hawkins, he's like a bit young, you know, but he's he's good on police and guns, oh, and which good. is which is only like a pairing that makes sense in, you know, the reaction is <laughs> in the reactionary mind. Um, but it kind of highlighted how they are to me anyway, how they're using this as kind of a campaign rallying point to kind of put the yes. cherry on the top of, you know, crimes out of control are you know are as you know i mean living in i mean our urban centers are just on fire every day and there's mass violence and shootings and <laughs> it's it's just terrifying to walk across the street to the grocery st- store anymore and as far as i can tell there the democratic response has just been to i mean go along with it i mean tim ryan he endorsed it last night um you know he got he got some issue you know are you going to support issue one or are you going to allow violent criminals to roam on our streets and he you know he's like i support the police i'll, I'll vote for issue one and da 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 uh, has there been any sort of pushback on this issue uh so it's kind of interesting i know that that makes two top candidates on the democratic ticket who have endorsed a yes vote on issue one that's nan whaley and tim ryan but Actually, the DNC did not endorse on issue one, and there are now 43 progressive and nonpartisan organizations across the state, ours included, who are endorsing a no vote. Uh, So I really wish that candidates would take a look, read the fucking room, uh, and maybe ask questions of the people who actually work in the communities that they claim they want to represent. 
it goes back. I mean, I, I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. Bear with me, but like how the how the different sides treat their like activist wing. Like yeah. you would you wouldn't you would never see those guys go. I mean, they had a guy break into the speaker of the house. Uh, you know, the speaker of the house's house beat her yeah. husband with a hammer. And I mean, we have the Supreme Court justice liking conspiracy tweets. We have Bill Sites house leader saying you know he basically had it coming because uh yeah the perpetrator was quote unquote an illegal alien um there's no like bottom to these guys and they they won't even like come out and condemn these guys condemn what they were espousing and meanwhile like we've got democrats in this state that seems like i mean from from nan whaley to tim ryan to marcy capture they can't run away from the far left fast enough and it's the same and then they're going to turn around and expect us and then blame us for all their losses yeah, I know. I did you see the Tim Ryan shirt that he was wearing in an ad like last week that was something like Ohio against China? I mean yeah, like Port, Portsmouth versus China. <laughs> yes, like why? Why do we need to be the ones putting out dog whistles? Like if you want to win, you want to win, but how you win matters. And that's yeah. not how you win is by like shitting on a giant group of people in our state. I don't think so. So and I mean cuz I I assume the polling is probably not great because, I mean, it's just one of these issues that people just read it and they're going to be in class. They hear public safety. We're so ingrained yeah. to just hear public safety. Who doesn't want to be safe? Who doesn't yeah. want to be protected from violent criminals? You know, who doesn't, who wants to make sure violent criminals don't get out and harm other people again? Yeah. But we're going to pick up the wrong tool to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The polling is definitely not great. Um, a lot of folks, I mean, it, it sounds fine, right? Like, oh, sure, they should be able to consider public safety. That makes sense. Um, but but I found that a lot of folks, when they take three whole seconds to research it and, and start thinking about it a little more critically, which I think we should all do a better job of doing before we vote anyways, um, all the way down our ballot. But yeah, as soon as people start looking into it, I mean, it's overwhelming where it's like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Like, why would the General Assembly want to be able to prescribe things like cash bail and the conditions and they don't want judicial review and judicial oversight by the Supreme Court of Ohio? Like it's fishy. It doesn't make sense. And I've seen a lot of really great organic conversations about that, especially among voters who happen to be on places like TikTok and other social media. Um, people are on to the game. So that gives me hope for sure. Yeah, cause my 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 thinking is that they're just gonna, it's going to be used in typical corrupt fashion, and they're just going to open up open up the floodgates for like private uh, private prisons, uh, yeah. even more mass incarcerations, criminalizing more behaviors, and getting you know the right types of people fed into uh, the American carceral system. Which, folks, I can tell you, if you've never been associated with that thing. Uh, in any way either been inside or on the outside with somebody in the inside uh it's not an experience i would recommend <laughs> because right. this system it, it's i don't think evil goes far enough or the world enormity goes far enough for what is going on here so i guess what like what would you say to people how in your world how would how would we keep the violent criminals from getting out and roaming the streets and doing all the violent things that criminals do? Um, well, I but would say first and foremost that criminal behavior is a consequence of society failing people. 
um, and not providing the right supports and resources and community aspects and resources that everyone needs to thrive. So I would say any kind of quote unquote crime or criminal behavior that Republicans are upset about is directly due to their lack of investing in our communities. Um, but I would also say that folks who are thinking, well, Emily, like we should be using bail for public safety. That makes a lot of sense. It only does if you don't actually know what bail is supposed to do. The entire purpose of bail and cash bail is to ensure that someone comes back for their court date. Like these are people who just are accused. They're not convicted criminals. They're not people who are for sure a danger. And let's say someone is a for sure danger. A prosecutor has plenty of other tools at their disposal, like a no bond hearing and other ways to kind of ensure and ask a judge to consider pretrial detention. Um, and I would say the question should be spun right back on judges like Judge Hawkins in Franklin and prosecutors. Why aren't you using actual methods to ensure public safety? Why are you relying on cash bail? I mean, really, if I were a really wealthy serial killer and I could post my bail amount, I'd still be back on the street. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, my uh, my friend, my friend, the bartender, Greg Coleman Jr., um, that was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, beaten, robbed and photographed on the street. Um, those guys, I mean, they got a million dollar bail. So, you know, you got to come up with a hundred thousand. Um, they haven't been able to do that. But I mean, I was like, my God, like, you know, thank God he didn't get, you know, knocked out and killed by somebody from Upper Arlington. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because then yeah. you know with somebody somebody that comes from a family of resources because then this guy's going to be free for how knows how yep. long and so it really doesn't people like don't think of it that way and they just I, it goes back to just our entire system that you know nobody's willing to advocate for like those in jail anyway and there's a yeah. large set of our population that no matter what happens in the jail they will think you know, the prisoners deserved it. Well, you know, they were obviously bad people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in jail. And they have no concept of how many people um, are sitting in there right now who are completely innocent that just can't get yeah. out because they can't. <laughs> they can't post it. And it's not like these are ludicrous numbers either. I saw. Uh, like yeah. That. Yeah. Like 12,000 people on average are detained every day pretrial in our jail system. That is a failure of society. Like, and it's so frustrating, too, because to your point, like there are some groups who are doing a lot of great advocacy around uh, carceral reform and decarceration. I mean, our organization, we're more on the abolitionist lens of things um, because we really firmly believe that if we just invest in our children and invest in our our good schools and clean air and food and like all of those good things, uh, healthy communities create a healthy society. And we don't have that here in Ohio. I mean, I will tell you, I had folks who were out canvassing today on issue one, and they sent me this picture. They came up to this house and there was this giant Confederate flag flying out, flying out front and they felt unsafe and were like, do I still have to knock? No, from <laughs> the other direction. But like, this is Ohio 2022, and folks are totally comfortable flying their racist yeah. flags all over. I was uh, I was a failed state house candidate in Piqua, and I'll never forget just being out in Western Ohio, which is just different gravy in its own right. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a guy out in the county road. And every time I would turn to like go canvas in Arcanum or something, he was right there on 36, 37. And he would fly the Confederate flag above uh like the United States Navy flag. So I assumed he was in the Navy and flying <laughs> like flying the Confederate flag like above the military industrial complex that he risked life and yeah. life for. Um, which it just speaks to I mean, people don't realize just how dark this state gets yeah you know and not i mean not the columbus i mean it's and that's not to paint columbus as some progressive utopia but it starts to look <laughs> it starts to look like one <laughs> comparatively i guess <laughs> when you get out there because i remember um being out there the original issue one in 2018 which i think was about drug sentencing yep we had a democratic judge from dark county come in one of the very few office holders in dark county that was a judge. Uh, she was a judge, and she basically said, "You know, if you don't like, some people need to go to jail, like, uh, which is like, if, to me, a failure in just how we're doing things. Like, if somebody like has to go to jail for something nonviolent, like drugs, that they're just hurting themselves, like, we've clearly failed already at that point." And she basically made it sound that like, if if we pass this bill, that just you know, heroin junkies were going to overtake everything, and like nobody was able to be sent to prison over this stuff, and it was just wild, and it was there you know, I remember thinking, well, issue one's done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's super disappointing. Um, and it's so frustrating, honestly, to just watch time and again, politicians be more interested in their power than in the power of the people they claim they represent. Um, and it's like, using our black brown and low-income populations as their like political bludgeons to try and move power one way or the other is so frustrating and it's no surprise to me at all that those groups are not as excited to turn out and vote because give them something to vote for uh these candidates and people who are willing to just campaign off their backs without actually lifting them up and investing in those communities. No, thanks. Like, I think people have had enough of that. And the cool thing about our issue one campaign is almost everyone we have out in the field for us right now is directly impacted and they would be potentially directly impacted by state issue one. And there's a lot of energy and excitement around people feeling like this is something they can control they can work on it would directly impact people they know or their families and and we've been able to kind of help create a space together for everyone to work on something and i think that that's that in its own is a win for us to be honest what uh what do you do you have any post-election plans yeah um our families have been talking about after the election wanting to work on a true 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 police reform platform that is created by families disproportionately impacted by policing and police brutality. Um, And that will actually move our state towards a more equitable system. And so once we have our brains back together after the election, (laughs) that's our next step. That, that, that would be cool because the police power it's, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. With what's going on. I mean, pretty much every major city. I can't really think of a major city that doesn't have a police scandal right now in some way or the other. 
a lot of our families will say too like the fop the the police union friends of police they're the biggest gang in america and we see them all the time here in ohio yeah, the FOP FOP Lodge number nine is sort of fat is fascinating to me in a way that and just how they accrued so much power. I mean, they've got cops, they've got cops who have power in every major American city coming to Columbus to basically study how, you know, how did this little podunk Midwestern town get six police helicopters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I think about like Chicago, who I guess has one or two, like yeah. them coming over here and be you guys have you know they I don't think they would guess that if they didn't know, and uh, just and just and it's so funny because they're so, like it's so they're so just disillusioned from re- like if you want to see how they view you go just follow their leaders on Twitter, they yeah. espouse they espouse conspiracy theories. You know, they they were complaining about not getting cut to get to cut in line for the vaccines. And then they got then they got cut. They got to cut the line for vaccines and then none of them wanted. And then they counted all those covid deaths as like, you know, in the line of duty deaths. Um, FOP is just oh, my God, it's so poisonous and cancerous. And there's literally like unless you get caught selling fentanyl on FBI wiretap. Yeah. there's not much they can do you for you then like those two cops that did but anything else they'll look the other way and people don't yeah. people public safety just the the whole image is just the whole mindset of public safety that goes from like worshiping the troops all the way down to the fake to the cops who are you know the fake troops mm-hmm. i know i always like to ask people when they're talking to me about public safety public safety for who who is it safe for? And what do those people look like? And where do they live? And what do you picture when you're picturing who it's safe for and who it's not? And like, I always think that that exercise is really eye opening for people, but most of them don't want to go there. Well, it's like, you know, it's like when my friend was murdered, I was talking about, you know, how these guys the you know, speaking, of, you were speaking earlier about how you know, it's basically most crime is societal failure. I mean, the two guys that murdered the two, you know, guys that murdered my friend, I mean, they didn't have any chances. <laughs> I, I've done yeah. a modicum of research and they, they didn't have nothing. One of them, their dad was, you know, a crazy abuser, uh, multiple restraints against his mom, multiple threats to kill him. I mean, if that's the kind of environment you're growing in. He had been to prison five, you know, three or four times. That obviously wasn't a concern to him when he swung on my friend. So yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? And it was Brian Steele, the one of the vice presidents. He ran for school board up in Worthington and got rejected, thankfully. But he retweeted it was like, you know, making a point on it, some emoji like saying, you know, this. And I was like, you can get bent too, loser. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you, you guys just got seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars from you know from the Short North Business Commission or whatever for additional patrols in that area. He got killed on High Street on the busiest drinking night probably of the year. He laid yeah. in the, he laid in the road for God knows how long before you guys signed up and all the killers escaped <laughs> escaped the neighborhood and then and then you so then you had to post the video of his murder asking you know who these guys are as if his oh. friends as if we didn't know who these guys were 24 hours after they killed him because they posted yeah. on Facebook. So now, you know, that and that, you know, and then that fed into you saw a bunch of racists online, you know, the black on black crime mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I really think and the, the problem with the Columbus police is you can't 
pin it. You can always pin something on just general stupidity with them rather yeah. than some conspiracy. But I really do think they released that just to push the violent crime in the short north, you know, mythos to justify get them getting more money for the patrols. And there's oh, ne- it's never ending. Yeah, I agree. Did you see like DeWine made some big announcement yesterday? He's all proud of himself, that little <laughs> guy, about like his big crime funding bill that's going to help victims. But I think we were talking about this yesterday. Like <laughs> victims of police brutality aren't actually eligible for the victim crime fund because then that would require the police to acknowledge them as victims. And yeah. they don't want to do that. And we were talking about uh, Jalen Walker, who was a black delivery driver who got pulled over for a traffic violation and ended up fleeing, the, which turned out to be a wise decision. Um, yeah. You know, the department that had the history of killing black men and they lied, said that he had fired a gun outside, you know, out of his car while merging on the highway. And that's why they unleashed 90 shots, hit him 50 times in the back after a short pursuit and then gave a code word. I think it was code blue um, was there you know, unit code were to turn off their body cams to get their story straight before the investigators arrived. The police won't release their names. They released their redacted personnel files and a local activist basically cross-referenced the information in those redacted uh, files with like graduations, uh, business links, a whole, whole host of information, got three or four items and basically produced the names um, of his killers and apparently you were saying he can't even, his family isn't even eligible to get any money from that uh, fund. No, no, they're not. Um, because the way the victim crime fund works is uh, any, if it's a, during an encounter with law enforcement, you're not eligible and your family's not eligible, which is just horrifying. Um, is that the official word in an encounter? Uh, I think it's, so. it, it, it sounds like, check. yeah, it sounds like just one of those brutal euphemisms that they would pick it sounds it sounds perfect but i'm pretty sure that's not my word so yeah. so what what would you change like if you could change just one thing about the criminal justice system right now like what what would it, would it be issue one is that is that is there bigger issues that would lead to issue one going to the wayside Um, I think there is so much in the criminal legal system to unpack. Um, Definitely issue one, if I'm looking at what's on the ballot right now, um, unless I live up in Akron, and then I would definitely be voting yes on issue 10, which is related to police oversight. Um, The biggest single change we could make tomorrow would be to end qualified immunity for law enforcement and correctional officers. Qualified immunity sounds complex, but it's really not. It basically means that when an officer or correctional officer is doing their job, so as part of their job, if they hurt someone, that person cannot sue them for damages or for money in civil court because they are immune. That's what qualified immunity is, like pretty much in the most simplest way. And ending that... (laughs) would incentivize good behavior uh, and incentivize true change in how police interact in the community and correctional officers interact when they are in the carceral system. And I think if we could end that tomorrow, we would see a dramatic change in how people with a badge behave towards people without one. Yeah, I, 
it's it's crazy people have people tend to behave when there's a monetary number mm-hmm. hanging above there because I, I was sitting there last night at the at the at the vance ryan thing and i was thinking about just standing up in the middle of it and just cussing jd vance out <laughs> <laughs> but i thought about you know and i was like who knows what i signed in one of those waivers they've got a bunch of security guys around like i'm not trying yeah. you know that like i'm not trying to get sued for you know who knows what i signed and i it was like it seems like to me they seem like very petty people so i kept my ass in that seat which <laughs> you know if, if i yes. were sit, if i were sitting at a restaurant or something and jd vance walks in i mean that's not going to happen and cops that, that it's and it, it kills me too because they'll they'll when they'll break out all these big settings well where are we going to take this money from where are we going to take this four hundred thousand dollars because you know, a bunch of idiot cops decided to email their conspiracy to target one of the president's one of the president's biggest uh, critics when she's in town at Sirens, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or you know, they're running some scam up at uh, Cahoots, like. And would that take like to get something like that done? Would that take? Can you do something like that locally? Yeah, you can. Like, we could look to do like a citizens ballot initiative in one of the cities, and we've talked about that. And I do know that um, there is like a group of activists and there's like an Ohio coalition and qualified immunity and they are looking to do like a statewide ballot initiative. Um, You can do it locally. Sabrina and I have talked about that. The problem with doing something like that locally is then all that would need to happen is for that person to be in the wrong jurisdiction at the wrong time. And um, and I'm sure the Ohio Republican Party would probably just go like that because there was a rent control thing going around Columbus that people were trying to make where they caught wind of it in Columbus and they just instantly passed a thing that's like you can't do rent control. <laughs> of course. So yeah, so and could you do it as like in a statewide ballot? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. We could definitely do a statewide ballot. To that, that might be a tough sell with it would it, it would be an uphill battle. Um, but I also think that it's one worth fighting. So I do hope that that gets done. Well, we need, we need more people like you. <laughs> so, if you know, you, you said you're from Virginia originally. Yes. Yeah. I grew up in Northern Virginia, came to Ohio, never left and have just decided that I want to create, um, a state where my kids and the kids next door and everyone else's kids are all treated the same, no matter what their neighborhood looks like um or what kind of school they go to and so i mean i don't know i feel like at least for right now that's my purpose is to just keep pushing as much as i can and keep pissing people off because (laughs) it's gonna take pissing people off to get stuff done oh that's awesome um where uh where where can people find uh your work uh where can they support your work yeah, um, we're pretty simple. Uh, all of our handles on social media are at O-F-U-P-A-C, so at O-F-U-P-A-C. And then um, we have a website, just www.ofupac.org. Uh, and I would love to hear from anyone who has some time. We're doing a volunteer canvas this weekend, uh, and we're getting out on Saturday to talk to voters across the state about issue one. It's all hands on deck. So if anyone has a couple hours, I'm pretty fun to hang out with. Um, and so are most of my people. So we love to see folks there. Um, and it's good exercise I would love too. To, yeah, good exercise. And it's supposed to be beautiful. So why not? 
Awesome. Well, I guess that's uh, all I've got from you. We're going to get out of here before the, the Zoom free session ends. Emily, thank you so much for your time. And this concludes another episode of the Crowcast, Spotify's number one gothic horror and dark fantasy podcast. Thank you all and God bless. <laughs>